It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. With me right now officially is Tim Kennedy. Tim, welcome. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on the book. Yeah, launch day today. It's weird. But it's because it's about you. Yeah, that, that that's that's a real weird feeling to have everything in black and white, especially because it's mostly about failure and and struggles and um, having it right there for everybody to you know. At, literally, at every one of the darkest moments of my life is now at millions of people's fingertips. And your patriotic behavior is also there, and so is your heroic exploits. Uh, quick, when you see the video of what seems to be nine thousand five hundred now, we're supposed to go to seven uh, fifteen thousand. That's thirty two miles long, heading to our border. Am I wrong to say invasion? Man, it's been evasion for a long time. You know, the um, if you go down to the border, and you know, I live in Texas, and um, Where? Uh, I live in Where? Austin, Texas. Okay, and uh, you know, I was working along the border for the past seven months, and um, we, I was living in Evaldi. Uh, it's one of, one of the many places that I would stay when I was working at the border, and talking to the people that live there, talking to the border patrol guys that are there every single day. It has been like this and it's, it's, it, it's ebb and flow depending on the administration. Cause it's all executive level driven. When these mass uh, migrations happen, this, these invasions, it's, it is really driven by executive policy. And right now it is apt. The floodgates are open and there's nothing that you can do to stop it uh, at the border physically uh, because there's just so many. And then you you see the ripple effects. It's not just at the border. They're ruining the lives of those people at the border, yes. And then we find out these flights are landing in Westchester. They're they're landing in other places in upstate New York. And we're saying, what are they doing? They're getting off in the middle of the night. they got a fresh set of clothes. they got a bag to go to. They're getting, getting on buses, and they're going throughout our society. Yeah. What about these people must feel like uh, suckers to go through it the right way? Yeah, I mean— I have a business partner, and, and she's a legal immigrant, and uh, she went through the process, and it took her a long time, and she took every single step. You know, I have a couple of teammates that are that are going through the immigration process for their spouses, um, and then I go down there, and I work at the border, and it's so heartbreaking because we, we have a failed system. We have a broken system that they're just taking advantage of. Fixable, though, isn't it? It is. Nothing it's is so not, fixable. It is so fixable, and there's nothing that can't be fixed, especially when it's, it's, it's like a, a movement of a pen to fix it. And the problem solved. Right. Uh, and the thing is, what does it tell you when it's not? And what is it like being there, just processing people, grabbing people, putting them in trucks, bringing them to facilities that are overcrowded, putting up tents where they're just going to stand that attention until we get to them? Yeah. Uh, I, I've seen this facility. I, I've, after two or three days, I couldn't up. I was stressed out. I don't know how you do it every day. Yeah, the humanitarian crisis that's happening there. You know, like, we're, we're all immigrants. Everybody here in the United States, unless you're on an Indian reservation, you like all of us generationally came here yep. somehow. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm Kennedy. I'm an Irish American, right? I'm like three generations here. Um, so I, there's nothing wrong with immigration, but it has to be, and there, there has always been. Like here in New York, we can walk out to Lady Liberty and we can open the book and see the families that came here and the process. That they I mean, went I was through. at Ellis Island. I did a whole feature on it for what made America great, and you see the whole process. It's you important. see where they walk the the. Uh, they get off the ships, where they'd go, and how doctors would look them over. They'd ask a few questions. There would be many courtrooms over there to decide, is there anyone here to meet you? Where are you going to stay? Yep. What are you going to bring to the country? Yeah. Are you one of the work? questions. Are you going to work? Yeah. Are you going to become you? a contributing member of society? Are you going to be individually responsible and be an important citizen? If you go back to what it defines to be a citizen by Roosevelt, like I, I, I question every single one of these people crossing the border. I know they have the American dream um, in their heart, but are they going to do the work required? And you know, I'm not going to disparage the immigrants because I've 
living in Texas, like the vast majority of the people there are Mexican Americans, and they're great, wonderful people that share values. Yeah, you know, but what's happening at the border is an evasion. Nobody cares about the color of people's skin. Don't try to marginalize nope. and say, nope. "Oh, you're black, you're white." Nobody you're this. cares. Nobody cares. And when people say Sweden or Haiti, it's not black or white. It's like, well, if you're from Sweden, you're from a, an isolated area, which pretty much you're not coming through the southern border, but you're going to wait online forever. I know people that married, and you have the same situation. People from another country, legally married, on the up and up, living a middle class life, and it takes them forever. So many fees, so many meetings, so many tough questions, and the tests you got to go through. Yeah, and it's hilarious because one of the one of my friends that's going through the green card right now, um, you know, the she was told to file her taxes, but she couldn't file her taxes because she doesn't have a social security number. So she's like in this pending I'm in trouble status for her immigration status, and she's like, I am working, I am paying, like, but there's. There's no way that I can solve this because I'm missing steps, and the steps aren't mine. It's a broken system, and there's no way to circumvent the system. Right. So I should have just come here illegally. I know. Uh, I have a friend from uh, Serbia who went and played four years of college soccer, great player, and wants to stay. He had a short amount of time to get a job, but then he had to apply. He wanted to go home and celebrate his graduation because I'm afraid I'm not going to get back. And then he says he puts on the television. He says, what am I afraid of? Yeah. But 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 let's talk about you for a second. Oh, no. First off, um, Tim, you're brutally honest about yourself. Right. Yeah. You, you don't you don't feel you're one of the few. I'm perfect. But you will go out of your way to say you are not perfect. But on 9-11, things changed. You felt you were a selfish person prior to that. What was life like before 9-11 to be Tim Kennedy? Oh, man. Um, so I had a, I had a couple of women pregnant and uh, within I, weeks. Right. Two yeah. different women. Yeah. Uh, There's I thought I had AIDS. Um, I was fighting professionally uh, as a mixed martial arts fighter. And um, had an after party with ring girls. And one of those girls shows up to my gym and she says, hey, I tested positive for HIV. I'm trying to find all my partners. Like this is all at the exact same time. And then uh, I watch Americans look out a window and and try to decide if they're going to burn alive or jump to their death. And like you want to talk about that this resounding wake-up call of what a waste of a human that you are is watching fellow Americans have to make a decision like that. When I'm I'm debating which jeans I'm going to wear to a party, like what like what what a – terrible piece of trash I was. And you decided to do something about it, unlike most people. Well, I, I started. By no means was, like, this the movie, uh, like, the trajectory change where I'm now a new person. Like, I still made lots of mistakes. You know, even when I got to Special Forces, I think back to to how arrogant I was, even with my bosses, and be like, no, no, I should be on this helicopter, not you. You know, like, I'm the best, I'm the brightest. So, so Tim, you're a really good athlete, right? So you used to be able to accomplish anything athletically, and that's a lot of the special operations, a lot of success besides your mental strength is the fact a lot of athletic demands, correct? Yeah, the, the, the physical demands are extraordinary, but um, internally, the mental aspect is really the selector. Like that is the attritter. Through special forces selection, they use physical events to find the character of a person. And that's what they're really looking at. Are you a team player? And you said you got beat up by your teammates because you were being selfish? Yeah. Um, we were... Zarqawi. Bin Laden was the number one bad guy on the planet. The number two and the number one guy in Iraq was Zarqawi, and he was in Iraq. And we were part of a task force that was hunting him. And um, all of us wanted to, I mean, this was the guy that hung Americans from bridges. Like the, the, whole, the, the atrocities that that man did, horrific. Um, like American Sniper, like the, the story, the same time. He led the insurgency. That's right. And we he, had him in custody and let him go. Yeah. Bad, bad dude. And um, there was a specific night where we had a certain number of helicopters. One of the helicopters got shot up. So a bunch of bolt holes, it got 
the manifest got scrubbed, so we had to reload and crossload bodies. And I was the youngest and least um, experienced on the team, so they they removed me from the manifest. I was like, man, I'm I'm the smartest, I'm the fastest, I'm the best. Like I'm the one that should be on here. And my team sergeant instead was like, you know, you should be preparing the trucks to be our QRF, our quick response force. You should be making sure the radios are good, the headspace and timing on the fifty cal is good. You should make sure there's extra ammo and extra grenades. Those are that's what you should be doing. But instead, you're whining, you're complaining about my decision about what should be happening in combat right now. And I and I was and I was just like, you know, like like a petulant little child whining. How about, old are you at this point? I was twenty five. Okay, you know, twenty four. And, um, and so they come back from the mission, you know, he's like, get your gloves. We're going to talk about this. And we go down to the tent and, and I end up fighting the whole entire team. And the team just beats, beats the socks off me. And, um, you know, John, my boss, he leans down. He's like, I don't, I don't want to have to talk about this again. And, uh, and even, even after that, I was still like, yeah, but it took all 12 of you to beat me. You're like, there's still the arrogance of youth in there. And, um, and it took a long time for me to realize what it meant to be a contributing team member and how they are so much more important than me. And uh, it was, it was pain and suffering like that, that teaches you those lessons. You didn't get that from your parents. Oh man, did I ever, I did, but I'm stubborn and I'm dumb. So, uh, you know, my, my mom and dad are incredible people and a loving household and extraordinary circumstances growing up. You know, my dad stole a plane full of cocaine from Pablo Escobar. Um, he was an undercutter narcotics officer. Like we had a, we had a red bat phone in the closet that I would, I would, I would, uh, if it would ring, would pick up and we'd have cover stories that would tell these drug dealers and these cartel guys to, to try to, you know, protect my dad and have a cover story for him that aligned with what he was saying. So we had like lines of what we'd tell him. So I grew up in this extraordinary circumstance and, um, like there's plenty of failure, there's plenty of struggle, but, um, there was never enough. But you know what? You're living a consequential life, but you're not done. You can stay for another segment. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Tim Kennedy's here. His book is now out. It's called Scars and Stripes. You just got a slice of it. Much more to come when we return on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So Tim Kennedy is my guest here. He's one of the most diverse guests you'll ever have. His book is out today. Uh, it is called Scars and Stripes, and you got to get it from his UFC to his Army Ranger days to what he's doing now. Now, how are you involved? And tell me about Save Our Allies. Yeah, so Save Our Allies was born out of Afghanistan. Uh, during the fall of Afghanistan, one of our friends, Chad Robichaux, his translator, Aziz, um, was going to get murdered. The Taliban, you know, Aziz had worked for special operations as a translator for multiple deployments. The Taliban knew who he was. So they, as soon as they knew that Afghanistan was going to be abandoned by America, um, the, he, they were literally telling him, Hey, we're going to come and find you. Uh, they killed Aziz's friend. Um, then they said they were going to like just do horrific things to Aziz's family and then ultimately kill Aziz. So in initially it was to go and rescue him. And so my phone rang from Chad. Hey, can you come help me get this guy? And I was like, yes. Um, then it was, hey, there's these few hundred young girl Christian orphans that are going to be murdered by the Taliban. Can you can we get them out too? And then it was, hey, there's all these entrepreneurs and then we, all of these translators and then, and then all these like thousands of American citizens that we we're leaving behind. Um, and as that started to build, we started in place like the logistics to getting us into country. And um, one of our friends was friends with the Prince of UAE, and that was going to be our launch pad. So that was the beginning 
of Save Our Allies was getting Aziz and then ultimately 17,000 people out of Afghanistan. What an accomplishment. So, Tim, how, so you get 17,000 out of Afghanistan. That's but right. You, but so how does that play into Ukraine? So the it's almost the same logistic process, but in reverse. So the same team that was on the ground, we had 12 people in Afghanistan. And uh, one of those key people, uh, codenamed Seaspray, so instrumental and, and such a hero. Like this guy is brilliant beyond definition. And um, he beat Russia into Ukraine. So he was on the ground, like a legal border crossing through the, wow. the snowy mountains. And um, the same thing that we did in Afghanistan to get people out, we started doing in Ukraine to get humanitarian aid in. So we started building networks and um, logistics to get things um, cross border lines and ultimately like we really focus on the last mile. There's lots of big, great organizations that are doing great things over there. But Save Our Allies are very few of those organizations are getting real like medical equipment, for example, to the very front line. And, and that's what we're doing. And when our reporter teams, when our uh, when our ENG teams got hit, yeah. what role did you play? So Save Our Allies um, – Sea spray specifically, the the operative, the special operations guy from Afghanistan was already in Ukraine, and um, you know, God bless Benji Hall, what a tough guy to be able to stay alive. Um, they put together a, a con op, a concept of an operation to find him, move him. I, I can't get into the details of how we were able to to move him out of country, but ultimately ultimately get him to very very high level military medical. He needed care. medical. He needed oh, he medical need, attention. He, he was he was dying. Like the, those, he is so tough, and what a it's, it's so important, the work that journalists do, especially in the front lines, when, it's, when there's so much information out there, it's really difficult to tell what's truth, what's it's fact. It's not even American soldiers you're with. No. And, uh, you know, he, he being so far forward was isolated, and um, Save Our Allies was able to get to him, get him out, and then get him to medical care immediately. And uh, now he's in Texas recovering, and, uh, man, I saw a video of him d- dancing. I, I know you give yourself, uh, you, you're very hard on yourself through the book. But I have everything that you've done from the Army Ranger to the service to enlisting at 25, all this, to the UFC fighting. What role to save our allies play and what you're most proud of? It, the, uh, it's, it's a culmination of, you know, I've been special operations for almost two decades. You know, I've been in South America, Africa, counter poaching, counter, counter humor trafficking, counter drug, you know, obviously counter terrorism, Iraq, Afghanistan. And, um, you know, but I'm also a business owner, uh, like logistics of, of supply chains. So, all of that experience really and the group, this this God-given group of people that founded Save Our Allies all came in with very unique skill sets. And um, we were able to work together in a really collaborative way to be effective and efficient right. um, to get people out. So I think Save Our Allies is one of the most significant things I've ever done in my life. I fought for world titles, you know, part of the task force that killed the number two bad guy on the planet. But that was pale in comparison to to you know finding an American in Afghanistan, getting them on a bus, smuggling them onto a plane, and then flying them out of Afghanistan, or bringing medical aid right. to the front lines to fight a communist invasion like, that's I mean, crazy. You just, you just love going on the edge. It seems like you're most at, uh, at home when the challenge is great. It's all included in Scars and Stripes, and we're just scraping the surface. Tim Kennedy, thanks so much. Congratulations on the book. Thank no, you, it's man. not easy to write about yourself, and no, you did it. And the best is yet to come, I imagine. Yeah, I, I'm not going to stop. I would think to do a movie if you can do it. Get Joe Rogan to commit to doing a movie for you. He's got the contacts. <laughs> he does. All right. Thanks, man. Go get him, Tim. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.